0: Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. All
1: right. Hey, this is Donna Lee again. Dr. Mystery stepped out, but I wanted to continue the discussion we were having with our urologist, Dr. Yang, Christopher Yang. Welcome back. Hey, thanks again. Um, and Dr. Krishna, the cardiologist from Seton. So you guys continue that discussion. It's fascinating. And then we want to keep talking about more um, testosterone and cardio.
0: Yeah, yeah. So basically we were, what we were talking about was... The link between erectile dysfunction and cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of men who have heart disease have erectile dysfunction. A lot of men that have ED have heart disease as well.
2: A lot of the patients present with erectile dysfunction as their first sign. And so this gives a, a multi-specialty way of being able to you know, help prevent what's the number one leading cause of death in our country, which is cardiovascular
0: death. It's not because of the penis, is it? it it's not because <laughs> of the penis, but the penis
2: brings you there, you
0: know? <laughs> So uh,
1: It does so, have a mind of its own. It gets you to the doctor. <laughs> it's
0: kind of up in the air which one is more
1: important, right? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> and you help them get up in the air. Uh, so, you know, there, <laughs> There was a a wonderful study performed uh, in 2019, a meta-analysis of multiple trials put together, 154,000 patients. So, uh, you know, a small study, Uh, jokes jokes aside, it basically looked at (laughs) if you had erectile dysfunction versus not erectile dysfunction, what is your risk of of death, Uh, stroke, and overall coronary heart disease? And overall, it's around a 30 to 60% increased risk if you have erectile dysfunction. And if you have erectile dysfunction and you're over the age of 55, are smoker, diabetic, and have a shorter duration. Of ED, typically those are the s- most severe risk factors for having a heart endpoint uh, cardiovascular event. Hence, it's important to treat these risk factors as well as treat erectile dysfunction. I think it's a, it's important as a, a multimodality approach that we we screen these patients. And screening would typically include you know coronary coronary artery calcium scoring, EKGs, and just a basic panel w- which most uh, primary physicians can do as well as
0: cardiologists. Basically, what you're saying is that. Patients who have bad erections shouldn't be mad if we send you to the cardiologist or a (laughs) primary doc to look for diabetes, to look for high blood pressure, to look for high cholesterol, right? Absolutely. And then also patients who have had heart attacks and strokes, they might have other things going on, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them probably have Uh, poor erections that need to be treated, that Mm -hmm. can be treated.
2: And that's usually my number one question I get. 62-year-old, I fixed their heart, they came up with a heart attack, they're in for their two-week appointment, they feel great, and then when the wife or partner leaves the room, they say, Doc, when can I have sex? And then then the next question is like, go ahead, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not having any symptoms. In the American Heart Association, they recommend like six weeks doing a submaximal stress test. You know, I currently state if a patient's able to do cardiac rehab or participate and walk one mile, you're good enough in cardiovascular condition to have sex. But then they come back and say, well, doc, I can't get it up. Mm -hmm. And then this is where we have the conversation. So I'm going to throw it back to you, Dr. Yang. What is your algorithm for treating erectile
0: dysfunction? I wanted to comment first on what you just said. From what I'm hearing, if they... The attempt to have intercourse, that's a pretty good stress test right there. Right. Okay. So (laughs) probably not as good as the stress test that you order. Right. But But more fun. Yeah. But having intercourse is a a stress test. It's not
2: one that I can prescribe, which many men probably would want me to. Yeah. yeah. uh, A
0: note from their doctor to (laughs) to prove to their wife that it's okay. (laughs) All right. For men who come in with erectile dysfunction. I think we've talked about it before on this show. There's kind of a lot of different potential causes. You know, one one thing, we look at hormones, you know, including testosterone, estrogen, some others. We look at the vascular disease to basically look at if there's any diabetes, any high blood pressure, high cholesterol that can be you know, contributing to erectile dysfunction. We also look at structural issues of the penis, and then we look at kind of psychological, social issues as well. Treatment-wise, you know, typically I look at medications like Viagra, Cialis, things like that. How do you decide? Like, so let's say,
2: what would be a typical starting dose, and how do you decide between Viagra and Cialis? Now that both are generic, right? sure, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, and kind of depends on the patient's preference. Some they work a little bit differently in that Cialis is in your bloodstream for a little bit longer, so patients who are younger who might want to have multiple, you know, multiple episodes of intercourse over the course of a weekend, sometimes cialis works better. People who don't really want to think about it too much, you know, we can prescribe a low dose cialis that you take every day, but you know, some people since viagra is the one that's been around the longest, some people prefer that. So, mm-hmm. it's it's basically a discussion as well as patient preference.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's really inexpensive now. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: And from a cardiology standpoint, I, I typically go with Viagra only because uh, a lot of my patients are on multiple medications that may drop their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And we know that being one of the side effects of uh, this class of drugs is that this, in conjunction with other smooth muscle relaxers, can really drop someone's blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So I typically go with a lower dose and use a shorter acting agent, um, as my, most of my patients are you know, elderly and on other combinations of things therapies that may affect their blood pressure. So, you you know, I get the question all the time where, you know, is it safe for me to take these drugs? And I tell them these are safe, well-studied drugs. It just matters the pharmacology of, uh, of, of all your medications put together. And this is why you come see specialists like Dr. Yang and myself.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the other things that we had talked about before is one of the other tests that we do here in the office is a penile duplex ultrasound where we're looking at the actual blood flow into the penis. There's an artery on each side called the cavernosal artery that actually fills up the penis with blood when you get an erection. So one of the tests that we do is called a penile duplex ultrasound. Basically, we're looking at the blood flow in. And that ties in with Dr. Krishna here because he does a procedure uh, where he actually can put a stent in there. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yeah. Pudendal artery stenting, a topic that has been hot for the last seven, eight years, And, uh, the, the, how it works is you have iliac arteries and you have an internal iliac artery that gives off the arteries to the penis. And so like we were talking about before, they typically range anywhere from two to four millimeters and they get, they can get diseased depending on the risk factors that you have. There's approaches that you can engage the internal iliac artery and then put a wire and able to put a stent that is metallic. Uh, and tell
1: th- the listeners what a stent is, for those yeah, who
2: don't know. most of the stents that we use currently for this would be a cobalt chromium uh, metal stent. And they sounds typically... fancy. Yeah. It it sounds it, Sounds fast. Uh, <laughs> it, it is very fast. It's mounted on a... It's crimped on a balloon. Mm-hmm. And when you expand the balloon, the stent goes onto the wall and becomes part of the artery within 45 days. Wow. And the dr- and then it has a drug coating on it so that it prevents new tissue from regrowing inside the stent. No.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, after they get a stent like that, do they set off the x-ray detectors when they go through the, the <laughs> airports?
2: No, no. As much as guys like to say that, you know, they have a metal rod. I have a giant uh, stent. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, unfortunately, they 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 will not, or fortunately, they will not be uh, setting off any metal
0: detectors. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, from, from what I've seen as far as, you know, the times to do this stent, it seems like it works better with younger patients. It works better with... Uh, patients who had this issue because of trauma right not the older patients who's had a heart attack and things like that
2: absolutely so the the premise of this is that typically if you wait later in life you don't generally have more diffuse disease and so when you have diffuse disease you can't put stents throughout the entire penis artery, and so that becomes a that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a it becomes a problem, right? So your point is, when you have trauma, you're typically having a focal spot where there is uh, there's a, a change in flow, and that's typically where stents work best. Anywhere in the body, and when you're dealing with diffuse diabetes or elderly age, and the arteries really become narrowed, stenting is not the optimal option. And again, this is still not something that's you know I would say everyday practice. It's, this is one where you know, you'd want to see a uh, specialist who are endovascularly trained and, and partner with a urologist on this topic, not one that uh, is just performed on an everyday basis.
0: Okay. And, um, that sounds good. I think we're almost done with this segment here.
1: Yeah, almost done. Um, I wanted to take a minute too to reintroduce Dr. Krishna and let you guys know where he's at. He's accepting new patients. Yes. Uh dot is the website where you can find uh, Dr. Vasmi Am I saying that correct? Vams- Vamsi, Vamsi Krish- Krishna. Uh-huh. Um, you can see his handsome face on the website there. Mm-hmm. So just search for him. The number is five one two five zero four zero eight six zero. He again is at Westlake. Kyle and Luling at the Seton Locations. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank
0: you guys for for having me.
1: That was awesome. Thanks, Dr. Dang, for popping in and saving the day because Dr. Mr. disappeared.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll gladly take over the co-host role from him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. You can send us your questions at armormenshealth at Um, gmail.com. Armormenshealth.com is our website. We're located in Austin, North Austin, Round Rock, South Austin, and in Dripping Springs. Um, but we want to hear your questions. So if you have a question for Dr. Krishna, um, send it over to me. Is it okay if I reach out to you and say, hey, this pa- patient had a question? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time. And thank you guys so much again. And we'll be right back after this commercial.